Well, hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to the Harland Highway. All right, why am I talking like an old farmer sitting on his French po front porch? Just creepy. Jeepers, creepers, creepy. Uh, hey, this is Harlan Williams. You are on the Harlan Highway. You're not on a front porch. You're on the most important podcast in the world. Dalo, Dalo. Um, interesting show today. Uh, today, a very tragic news story that that still seems to be making the rounds, even though it's like uh, you know two weeks after the fact. A beautiful, beautiful specimen, a gorilla, was shot and killed at a zoo after a young boy fell into its enclosure and the gorilla began to manhandle the young child. A zoo officials decided to take the life of the gorilla and a lot of people are upset and we've got the actual man who pulled the trigger uh, from, a, uh, from a place called uh, Ear emergency animal response he's gonna be here to tell us the true story of what it was like to pull the trigger also the harland highway question of the day a very uh, interesting one that involves your middle finger so here we go this is the harland highway where am i what is this some kind of a joke or something Welcome to the Harland Highway. What you talking about, Willis? Son, you got a panty on your head. Shut up and sit down, you big bald fuck. Oh, God, what's happening here? What's happening? Hey, Harland, it's Shelly. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That is fantastic. <laughs> what's wrong with everybody in this crazy place? The Harland Highway. <gasps> What is it? Opening. To what? To another dimension. This is Harland Williams. You're a bad man. You're a very bad man. That is fantastic. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Kind of a sad way to start off the podcast here. It's kind of this story that's been lingering, and uh, it's, it's a sad one. It's a tragic one. Um, I, I think we've all heard by now about the story of the gorilla the lowland gorilla, the uh, I guess it was like a 400, 500 pound lowland gorilla that was uh, at the zoo, and a little boy climbed over the uh, three foot wall. Hello, three foot wall, gorillas, not really a good height for a security wall. I mean, there are higher walls at like Dairy Queen. Okay, uh, but anyways, as you know or may not know, this little boy fell 15 feet into the moat. The 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 giant uh, male silverback uh, crawled down into the into the moat and grabbed the boy and was coddling the boy and was like pulling the boy around aggressively. It didn't look like the uh, the gorilla was uh, was was being violent to the point that it was trying to hurt the boy. It just it almost felt oblivious to the boy's uh, species. I, th I think the uh, the gorilla thought it was just, you know, like a, a baby gorilla, or he, the, the the big gorilla seemed a bit mystified by this little boy. But at the same time, it looked like he was being more protective than he was aggressive. 
But gorillas aren't, uh, you know, the male gorillas probably aren't as nurturing as one would want a 400-pound muscle machine to be. And he was just kind of uh, in a haphazardly way dragging the boy around and kind of doing what gorillas do. And, and the fear was that the gorilla could at any moment get aggressive or, you know, with its, with its incredible strength, you know, snap the boy in half and kill him. Uh, and so, unfortunately, the, the, uh, the call was made to terminate the gorilla uh, and uh, an expert uh, marksman was brought in to uh, take the gorilla out uh, with a single shot. And sadly, this, this gorilla, which is an endangered species, had to be put down in order to ensure the safety of the little boy. And so it was just kind of a lose-lose situation. You didn't want the little boy to get hurt or even killed. And we certainly didn't want this gorilla to be killed. We all love animals. I, I adore animals. I've, I've actually been on safari in the, in the wild jungles of Rwanda and, and been with these wild gorillas in, in nature. I, I've probably told this story before, but I was actually charged by a mountain gorilla, a silverback, that was, uh, came close to 500 pounds. It charged at me and turned away probably within about two feet of my body, of my person. Yes, my heart skipped a beat. So, so I can speak firsthand about how terrifying it is and how awe-inspiring it is to come up against one of nature's most formidable and, and majestic mammals. I mean, these things are just works of art and and the muscle and the power they possess is is almost immeasurable. I mean, and so to see a, a little three or four year old boy standing with this for for all intents and purposes this monster, uh, not that its behavior was monstrous, but just just it it, it looks monstrous. And so uh, you know, sadly, the call had to be made, and probably not an easy call. And we thought it would be uh, interesting to really find out what that experience was like. Uh, the, the man, the the uh, the trigger man on on this uh, on this uh, moment uh, is a is an expert in this area. He comes from an organization called EAR, E A R, Emergency Animal Response. Uh, this gentleman's name is Blake Flintlock, and he was the man that, God, had to pull the trigger and, and take down this this majestic, wonderful beast. And so we thought it would be uh, interesting to hear how this all went down from his perspective and get his feelings and thoughts on, uh, on a job that I'm sure none of us would ever uh, want to do. So Roger is uh, is is Mr. Flintlock on the line? He is. Okay, let's let's go to him right now and let's talk about this tragic event. Uh hello. It's a little noisy there, Roger. Hello, hello Mr. Uh, Flintlock, can you hear me, sir? Hello. Yes, sir. Uh I'm so I'm having trouble hearing. It sounds like you're you're uh, there's a lot of noise in the background. 
Hello, sir. This is Blake Flintlock from here, and uh, I am in a wildlife sanctuary right now. I apologize for the noise. You can hear the uh, little rascals in the background chirping up a storm. Oh, so you're, you're at some kind of facility? I'm at a bird sanctuary right now, sir, and uh, I am on the job. Blake Flintlock for Ear Emergency Animal Response. Wow, what what a job you do, sir. And, uh, you know, first of all, um, I, I guess in a way, uh, thank you for, for doing what you do and thank you for protecting that little boy. But at the same time, it must be traumatic for you to have to shoot such a beautiful, magnificent animal. Uh, yes, Mr. Williams, it is not easy. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a trained uh, marksman. I, I have won uh, many awards uh, for my marksmanship. I am a uh, classified uh, 5F7 uh, sniper, uh, military-class sniper. Uh, I compete. I compete in uh, in uh, shooting competitions all over the globe. I have many awards, and uh, I did do some military action uh, back in the uh, original Iraq War. And uh, I have made a uh, comfortable living doing what I do. Uh, regrettably, uh, it, it's not an envious position, but uh, nonetheless, it's it's work that it needs to be done. Sir, somebody needs to do it. Absolutely. I, I mean, uh, we understand the gravity of the situation, the sensitivity of the situation. And, and uh, you know, can you just take us through the experience of, of what it was like to, 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 you know, have to shoot this beautiful specimen? Well, sir, uh, you know, it, I, I've never had to shoot a gorilla before. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I have had to uh, take out many uh, animals. And uh, a gorilla was uh, something I never saw coming. I mean, uh, these animals, uh, for all intents and purposes to me, are just like hairy human beings. I mean, the, the way they look, their poise, their, their stature, their anatomy, and more than anything else, sir, more than anything else is that look in their eye. Now, I don't know, sir, have you ever looked in a monkey's eye? Yeah, well, yes, so I've been at, at the zoo. Well, then you know what I'm talking about, because there's something about the way a, a great ape or a monkey or a primate looks at you, the way their eyes move. You can see into that animal's soul. You can, you can feel that there is a living, thinking creature behind those eyes, more than any other uh, animal species that I've ever come up against. I mean, there is an intensity in a lion's eye, in a tiger's eye, in a wolf's eye, but the great apes, the primates, it's like there's a thought process behind their eyes, and they're very, very human, sir. Well, I think we could all agree to that. It's fascinating. You get mesmerized just staring at them and you feel like they're looking back at you and and formulating thoughts oh you you better believe it and and so uh, you know it made it a little more difficult for me to take out this particular animal i mean uh, it it was tough well how did you, how did you cope with it so what's what's the the, the thinking behind uh, you know, g g getting psychologically, you know, ready to, to shoot this, this animal that, as you said, seems almost human. Well, there's a little, uh, little t a trick I used, and, uh, and uh, I don't know if you saw the actual footage on uh, YouTube or on, on the news. 
No, I did not. I couldn't bear to watch the actual shot. I know that you had to shoot the the beast, but I I could not bear to watch the moment of impact. I I think it would be psychologically scarring to me. I understand, sir. Nobody wants to see an innocent animal go by, uh, go go down, I should say. But, uh, well, here's what I, since you asked, here's what I do to cope. Uh, Do you remember uh, one of our earliest presidents, the great, great Abraham Lincoln? Well, of course, yes, absolutely. Um, Well, Abraham Lincoln, uh, unfortunately, uh, he... uh, he met with a tragic end, uh, just the way this gorilla did. I, I, I'm not sure. What, what do you mean, sir? Well, Abraham Lincoln uh, unfortunately took a bullet uh, to the head, and uh, he was assassinated and died, I believe, while he was uh, at the theater. Well, that's true. I, I'm not sure w- 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 what that has to do with this. Well, so you asked me how I cope with taking out a gorilla that, again, looks almost human. I mean, has so many human qualities that... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think we got that. We, we understand the human connection. And so I figure, you know, how do I, Blake Flintlock, get through this, this killing? How do I take down a gorilla that, in so many ways, parallels a human being? And I thought, I think the best way to do this is to actually humanize the gorilla even more. Okay, I think I think I'm following that, sir. And how how do you humanize it more? Well, much in the way that Abraham Lincoln was taken down, I was able to arrange with a costume uh, facility, and they were able to bring me a uh, a top hat, a stove top hat. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, did you ever see the hat that Abraham Lincoln wore? It was a very tall, it was like a top hat. It was, uh, you know, it sat on top of his head and, you know, it was almost a good foot high, the black top hat. Yes, yes, he, he, it was kind of like a trademark hat he wore. That's right. So what, what I did is I had one of the handlers uh, take this top hat and put it, uh, go into the gorilla enclosure and uh, very delicately, uh, so as not to spook the boy, the little boy or the gorilla, I had the handler place the top hat on the head of the uh, lowland gorilla. Wait, wait a minute, what? Uh, and once that hat was sitting on top of that gorilla's head, you know, it, I'd look through the scope of my high-powered rifle and, you know, if I squint my eyes just right, I mean, I'll be damned. I'll be goddamned if that gorilla didn't look like Abraham Lincoln standing there. Wait a minute. What? 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 You put a hat on on the gorilla? It was a top hat, identical to what Abraham Lincoln wore, and so I just got it in my head that I'm not Blake Flintlock from Ear Emergency Animal Response shooting a helpless, harmless gorilla. What I am, I've now put myself into the psychological mindset of John Wilkes Booth. Wait, John Wilkes Booth, the, the, the man that assassinated Abraham Lincoln? That is correct, sir. So now I am John Wilkes Booth, and I am in my head lining up Abraham Lincoln and lining up the back of his head for a direct shot 
And uh, are you saying that 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 in your head to to terminate this guerrilla, you 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 role played the assassination of one of our great presidents, Abraham Lincoln? Exactly right. And I lined that thing up. And I, I even whispered, as my finger was squeezing down on the trigger, I whispered under my breath, and I, I think I even did it in sort of a southern-type voice, as John Wilkes Booth. As I was squeezing the trigger, I was like, Are you enjoying the show there, Mr. President? Y- you know, just like, like how John Wilkes Booth probably would have said it. Wait, as you're about to shoot the gorilla, he's got a, a, a stovetop hat on a, a top hat that's right and you're speaking to yourself in the voice of john wilkes booth that's right i said are you enjoying the show mr president wait a minute so you're, you're you've turned this into a recreation of the assassination of of, of of abraham lincoln that's right and i squeezed that trigger and that bullet threw through it was like a flash of light and then boom he he gone. I mean, I just, I just took him down. That gorilla dropped like a sack of mushed up, uh, you know, dog shit in a duffel bag. Okay, sir, that that sounds a little peculiar to me. Well, sir, you did ask me how I mentally cope with with the, the, this very intense work that I do, and and in order to get through it. In order to be able to scrape that dead gorilla up off the ground after my job is done, I need to go to a psychological place that that lets me know that this is acceptable, that this is okay. So thank you, John Wilkes Booth, wherever you may be. Wait a minute. You can't thank John Wilkes Booth, sir. He, He assassinated one of our presidents. Well, he sure helped me through a tough spot. I mean, have you ever tried to shoot a 400-pound gorilla standing over a four-year-old boy? I mean, that's that's not kids' play, Mr. Williams. Well, I know it, but but you're an expert. You're you're supposed to be trained in this, and to to pretend that it's 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 John Wilkes Booth and you're shooting Abraham Lincoln is morbid. Well, we all have jobs to do, Mr. Williams. I don't come in there and tell you how to do your... What is this thing? It's a podcast, sir. Uh, I've never heard of that. What is that? It's like a radio show. But it's not really a radio show. I mean, it's not like anyone's hearing it on a radio. No, it's on the internet. So probably not a lot of people listening to it. Sir, if we could stick to your profession... Um, well, you know, it's not easy, Mr. Williams, and I've, I've had to go, I've, I've had to go to this, uh, practice before, I've had to, I've had to tap into this before in order to, to accomplish my work. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm sure you've read the story about the, the, the uh, the, the, down in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. No, I didn't, what, what happened in Dallas, Texas? Well, I, th- I think you heard we got we got a koala bear at the zoo down in T- Dallas, Texas. It got it got uh, the rabies. It got you know got touch of the rabies, and fortunately uh, they were able to bring me in to to, to exterminate the, uh, the the koala before the rabies could uh, become full on and 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 be transferred into the other koalas and thus endangering them. So you had to kill. 
a koala? I mean, those things are about as cute and lovable as it gets. I don't take any grace in what I did, sir. I do not take any grace in, in doing that. Well, how is this comparable to what you did with the gorilla? Well, in the same way, sir, have you ever heard of John F. Kennedy, one of our great presidents? Of course, JFK. Well, as you know, he met a tragic end down in Dallas, Texas, and... Wait a minute, sir. Where are you going with this? Now, if you just let me finish, sir, I had a friend who owned a convertible, and I asked him if he wouldn't mind driving it down in front of the book depository where, where Lee Harvey Oswald perched to the day he shot John F. Kennedy. Wait a second. Are you telling me... I had a friend of mine put the koala in the back seat of his convertible. It had the seatbelt on, so it was perfectly safe. You're telling me you had a friend of yours strap a lovable koala into the back seat of a convertible. And he drove down the street, and I was able to get up into that book depository, the very same window that Lee Harvey Oswald took the shot at John Kennedy at... Hold on, sir! And I lined that little beady eye koala up, his fluffy little ears and his little cute little button nose, and I got him right in the scope. And I got to tell you, sir, can I tell you, it is not easy to take out a koala that's moving at 35 miles an hour down a street in a moving vehicle and I'm up in a book depository and there's people walking around in the street, there's other traffic. I mean, I have to be precise with this shot. Are you telling me you shot a koala pretending it was John F. Kennedy? Oh, and it was a clean shot. But those of you that think there's a conspiracy theory about John F. Kennedy getting shot from the deposit, there is not. I mean, if anything could have solved that mystery, it was when I put a high-powered Eagle Claw uh, explodable bullet right through that little koala's fuzzy head from way up on the sixth floor of that book depository. Sir, this is, this is outright creepy. I mean, this is, this is, whoa. I, I, I agree, whoa. I mean, uh, the, the poor people on the sidewalk just out for a walk, and suddenly their nice Sunday dresses, their, their nice uh, bread, pressed pants, splattered with koala brains. And uh, it was just, uh, it was awful. I mean, the zoo handler, a wonderful lady named Mary, she, she got so upset, she climbed out the back. She was on the back trunk trying to get, get out of the car. And it was just uh, horrible. Uh, you know, sir, the, this is, boy, oh, boy, this is really a bit eerie and creepy. Well, you know, Mr. Williams, it, it, you know, I did have a friend of mine set up on the grassy knoll just in case I missed my shot. But, the, you know, I've done other things, Mr. Williams. Somebody has to terminate these animals. Well, I don't know if I want to hear any more of this. This is creeping me out, sir. I mean, I, I had to go to the San Diego Zoo once, and we had a giraffe, an 18-foot giraffe, and I had to take that down with a chokehold. I had to choke it out. A full Kamara, it was almost like people wrote about it in the paper like it was uh, uh, one of the best UFC matches they'd ever seen. Can you imagine me climbing up on a draft's neck and taking it down in a Kamara? Sir, that is just sick.
Well, you know, sir, you can throw rocks at glass houses, but, you know, somebody has to do this work. Now, I have to get creative and figure out a way to make it so that their deaths are not just a waste. Well, what does that mean? Have you heard of the California condor? It's a very endangered species. There's only 72 of them left in the whole world. Okay. Well, they did a rehabilitation program down in Southern California. Very successful, but these, these large, they're the largest wingspan of any bird in the animal kingdom, sir, and uh, they only lay one egg a season. And uh, they cannot overpopulate the, uh, the geographical territory for the California condor. And so they laid uh, six too many eggs, and uh, those eggs had to be terminated. Well, that sounds awful. How do you terminate condor eggs? Well, I mean, you know, the average person might just crack them and throw them on the ground, but being the creative creative, uh, you know, assassin that I am, sir, what I did is I decided to whip up a, uh, a golden a California condor omelet. And so I cracked those omelet, those eggs into a fry pan, a nonstick fry pan, sir, and I, I cooked myself up an omelet that was quite... Are you telling me you made a, a, a California condor endangered species omelet? Well, I, you know, I did sprinkle mushrooms and ham and onions in, and I got to tell you, it had a little bit of a salty flavor, but it was sure good. Oh, my God. Did I ever tell you about the time that I threw an axe right through a zebra? Now, this zebra had gone lame. It twisted its leg, and the zoo had to put it down, and I threw a fire axe right through, uh, probably about a 50-yard throw. I didn't even have to get into the enclosure. I just threw it over the ledge, twirled through it, went right through its ribcage. Sir, I think we're done here. I want to talk about, before I go, Mr. Williams, have you seen that movie, The American Sniper? Wonderful, won an Academy Award, Bradley Cooper. And what I did, I had to take out an African lion at one of these lion safaris because this thing had got fangled up in a fence and no one could get close to it. It was just enraged. I don't want to hear what you did, sir. And so what I did is I, did, I reenacted a scene from American Sniper. I, I went up on a rooftop and I laid down and I phoned my wife. I had my wife on the cell phone and I was like, baby, I got me a big full-grown African lion caught up in some barbed wire. Oh, she's beautiful. This thing must be about 400, 500 pounds. Beautiful golden mane, golden eyes sparkling in the sunlight. I'm loading my hollow point shell into my sniper rifle. Sir, we do not want to hear this. And baby, you tell our little son Wally that daddy loves him, but somebody's got to be out here doing this work. I loaded in that chamber. I pulled back. I put my hand on the trigger. I squinted my eye. And that bullet threw right, right through the air, went right in the lion's left eye socket and blew his head up. And I'm crying on the phone with my wife. She's like, come home, baby. Come home. You've done your time. Come home. And I'm like, I gots to blow up the lion's face, baby. Sir, I don't want to hear anymore. And my little boy's on the line. I said, put Wally on the line. Wally, your daddy just blew the head off a beautiful lion. His face blew up. His teeth blew through the air. 
It's just a beautiful thing, little boy. Your daddy's so good. Sir, enough. Hang up on him. Did I ever tell you about the time I stepped on the head of a mongoose, a beaver, and a Chinese... Sir, hang up. I love to crush little baby snakes. Hang up on him. God. What the... F what the hell? Okay, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to do what I always do, and it throws me off the show. I'm, I'm going right into a new topic. Forget it. <sighs> Let's go into something. How about this, the middle finger, which is I, I kind of want to give it to, to Blake Flintlock, but let's just keep going. Roger, I, th I think this might be a question of the day. Can, we, can, we, can you play the question of the day theme, please? That'll give me at least five seconds to compose myself. Play the question of the day thing. The Harlan Highway question of the day. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Today's question of the day, and I mentioned the middle finger. The question of the day is where did the middle finger come from? You know, when you flip someone off, you, you put your middle finger up when you've got road rage or you, you someone pisses you off. It's like the uh, the silent version of F you. Well, I'm asking the question of the day, but I also have the answer here for you according to history. So I asked the question, but I also have the answer. So here's what history tells us about the middle finger. Um, let's see what they say. Uh, before the Battle of Agincourt in 1415, the French, anticipating victory over the English, proposed to cut off the middle finger of all captured English soldiers. Without the middle finger, it would be impossible to draw the renowned English longbow, and therefore they would be incapable of fighting in the future. This famous, famous English longbow was made of the native English yew tree, Y-E-U, Y-E-W, yew tree, and the act of drawing the longbow was known as plucking the yew, or pluck yew. Much to the bewilderment of the French, the English won a major upset, and they began, began mocking the French, by waving their middle fingers at the defeated French, saying, See, we can still pluck you. Since pluck you is rather difficult to say, the difficult consonant cluster at the beginning has gradually changed to F, and thus the words are often used in conjunction with the one-finger salute. It is also because of the, the, the pheasant feathers on the arrows used with the longbow, that the symbolic gesture is known as giving the bird. So how about that? And, and for those of you that don't know what the English longbow was, this was like, it was literally a giant bow and arrow. It was like, it was like, uh, kind of like the invention of the cannon. You had your guns and then they invented the cannon. The longbow was actually a, an elongated uh, arrow. I think this thing was like, uh, I don't know how long, but I think it was over six, seven feet long. It was a big giant arrow that they used on an oversized bow. 
And so they called it the longbow because it was bigger and heavier and they had a bigger bow. They could shoot it farther and it was it was a very uh, deadly lethal weapon. And I guess, uh, you know, like like most bows, they put the, uh, the pheasant feathers on the arrows. And uh, I guess, as, as the story said, in order to pull this giant bow back, they needed their middle fingers, so they cut them off. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, to, mock, to mock the French, the English began wiggling their middle finger, and thus was born the fuck you, or the silent uh, up yours, or giving someone the bird. Now that's according to um, to history as as how I found it on the internet. Now maybe there's another story somewhere. Maybe you know I I almost feel like the middle finger was born in America, and it was like some guy you know was out walking his dog in the Bronx back in like the 1950s. You know, some old man was walking his dog and the dog took a crap on the sidewalk. This was before the days when you had to pick up your dog poo. And some Mickey and a, and a wife beater come walking down the street in his shiny polished shoes and he stepped right in the, the old man's dog poo. And the Mickey was like, hey, what the fuck, old man, huh? Why don't you fucking take your dog and have him shit on the curb? Hey, fuck you, and he put his middle finger up, all animated, and you know what, fuck you, old man, fuck you and your dog shit, old man, you know, I feel like that's where it really came from, but, you know, according to history on the internet, in the year 1415, this is where the middle finger thing came from, I, I just feel like maybe... People were too proper back then and, and not sophisticated enough to come up with this kind of nonsense. I definitely feel like it was this the middle finger and FU was born in America, but you know, who am I to argue with all the accuracies of the internet? So there you go. If anybody knows of any different story about the middle finger, um Please call in and let us know at 323-739-4330, 323-739-4330. And that is, ladies and gentlemen, the Harland Highway Question of the Day. The Harland Highway Question of the Day. Have you ever heard a koala scream when a hollow point bullet blows its brains out? I mean, it's just as like, boom. Oh, no, no, no. What are you? Hang up. I mean, it's just one of the most. You just can't get it out of your head. It's like, pow. Hang up on him. I mean, just blood spraying everywhere like a chocolate fountain at the Golden Corral. Kaboom! You know, it's blood and it's brains bouncing off the back of the car, just like John F. Kennedy. Hang up on him! Hang up! God! Unreal! Roger! You know what? Now, I thought I made it through. I thought I made it through the show. I got to the question of the day. I actually calmed down. Hang up! God! 
But no, Roger, you had to let him back on. Well, thanks a lot. Now I'm all amped up, and now I'm going to end the show. I'm going to end the show. Thanks to that. Now I'm, I've got a picture of koala's head blowing up, spraying koala blood and guts everywhere. Good God, man. Let's just get to some announcements. Folks, please uh, join our premium uh, members. They are happy. Look at you guys. If you're having fun with this stuff, I'm just going to tell you blatantly right out because now I'm worked up and I'm in a no bullshit kind of mood. If you're enjoying this stuff, you are going to have a blast with your premium membership. $20 a year is all it costs. You get my whole library of the Harland Highway over almost 800 episodes. You get me doing live stand-up on, on, uh, on stage. People are loving hearing me do my stand-up where I riff with the crowd. I work on new material. You're only going to hear it uh, if you're a premium member. I'm working at the Comedy Store on Sunset Boulevard. I'm working at the Improv in Melrose. I'm working at the Laugh Factory on Sunset all over the place. Incredible fun shows. And you guys are missing out. Um, also special interviews with the characters, my other podcast called let's have a fight. It's a whole other podcast. So $20 a year. Here's how you join up. You go to harlanwilliams.com and click on the podcast link, or you can go to your cell phone and just go to your app store and type in the Harlan highway podcast or the Harlan highway. And you can download the app on your phone for free. Listen to the most current 50 episodes of the show. And then if you want to join premium membership, there's a little link on there and you can uh, you can do that. The app is really cool. It lets you fast forward and scroll and there's a link for you to call in and leave phone messages and write emails. And it, it's a really cool app. So I urge you to, to uh, not miss out on all this bonus material Premium membership, only $20 a year. Thank you in advance, and thank you to all my premium members who have already done so. I'm getting great feedback. They are having a blast. So uh, don't miss out, everybody. As I said, you can call and leave me a message, 323-739-4330, or you can write me at harlanwilliams.com on the contact link. And while you're at harlanwilliams.com, Please check out our store. We have a great uh, a great store with all kinds of uh, digital downloads you can buy and T-shirts and books and movies and artwork and CDs and DVDs. Just it's like it's like a Macy's. It's like a demented Macy's. All right. Well, I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We went a little long because uh, you know the the, the the guy from the from ear. And I'm starting to wonder if that's even a real place. Emergency animal rescue. Should be like emergency animal murder. Um, Took up a a little bit more time than we anticipated. But, you know, it was a touching story and we wanted to cover it. So, hey, thanks for being here, everyone. Tell your friends to get on the Harlan Highway, please. Spread the laughter. Spread the fun. Don't hog it all to yourself. A lot of people don't know what podcasts are. They don't understand them. They don't realize how easy they are to access and to download. And so a lot of people, you mention the word podcast and they're clueless. And so I'm putting it on you, my pavement pounders, to educate your friends 
and uh, bring them into the fold, uh, illuminate them, and let them know how it works and how they can uh, participate. Because um, I want all your friends and, and people you know getting all these laughs here at the Harland Highway. So there you go. Thanks for being here, everybody. Jesus loves you. I love you. Hippopotamuses, giraffes, and even gerbils love you. And until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. Well, you know, I did sprinkle mushrooms and ham and onions in, and I got to tell you, it had a little bit of a salty flavor, but it was sure good.